What's going on, coaches? Uh, today, finally, we got a little bit of sports, kind of. Uh, today, the day I'm recording this uh, is Sunday, and the Michael Jordan documentary with the Bulls is coming out. So uh, I'm really excited about that tonight. Two-part series, I think, every Sunday. So um, a, a plug for them. We have nothing to do with it, obviously, but uh, excited to watch that. I know growing up as a kid, I was a big, huge Michael Jordan fan and, and kind of excited to see, you know, how uh how the coach goes through and and um and deals with all of those great players is kind of interesting and then to watch the greatness of Michael Jordan um uh, but anyways uh back to us if you guys need anything from us you can find everything you need uh videos podcasts uh even shirts and hats uh all over at runthepower.com this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps do you have linemen are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. So you get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all, we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves times on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with one of Oklahoma's finest, Derek Wareheim. Coach Wareheim is the OC and tight ends coach at the University of New Mexico, and he is also son of the Coach Wareheim here in Oklahoma. Listen as we talk with Coach Wareheim about his journey up the ranks in FBS football, the cornerstones of the New Mexico offense, and how to run more effective offensive and position meetings. You can follow Coach Wareheim on Twitter at Coach D. Wareheim. Hope you guys enjoy. We always start it the same way and, and kind of have you give your your football you know journey if you will from uh playing days uh to coaching and and how that brought you to where you are now sure um so born in stillwater oklahoma um mom and dad went to college at oklahoma state university and then um we kind of moved around a little bit because my dad um pretty decently long career as a high school football coach in the state of Oklahoma, uh, but finished my last six years uh, in Choctaw 
about a half hour east of Oklahoma City, and then um, played for my dad. He was the head coach. He was my offensive line coach as well. Graduated um, and then went on to the University of Tulsa um, and played there my first four years. And then I had a year left, uh, and I knew I wanted to get into coaching, so I, I spent that year as a student assistant uh, for my fifth year. And then I spent, um, you know, the rest of the off season and all spring trying to find a GA position somewhere. And I was just striking out over and over again. And um, the day of my graduation from Tulsa, uh, I graduated the same day that Todd Graham's son, Bo, uh, graduated from Tulsa. So I'm sitting there talking to my folks. Um, and I really don't know what I'm going to do the next year, kind of getting myself mentally prepared to go uh, start coaching in high school and teaching and things like that. Because that's where I, I mean, I got my degree in secondary education and all that stuff. And um, Coach Graham comes stomping up and I'm like, hey, coach, what's up? And he goes, hey, what are you doing next year? And I said, well, I haven't really got anything figured out yet. And he said, well, call me tomorrow. I may have a job for you. Right. So I call him. and. You know, he asked me about, you know, my interest in coming to Rice University because he just got a head coaching job down there. Um, you know, and I said, Coach, I, I can't get into graduate school at Rice. You know, I said, <laughs> I mean, I'm not the, you know, 4.0 guy here and all that stuff. And he goes, don't worry about it. Just come down here. Come check it out. Let me know what you think. So, anyways, I flew down there, met with him. You know, he offered me a job. So, the job that he offered me was assistant video coordinator. It was the only way that he could get me in the building paying me $25,000 a year. So I take the job, move down there, spend one year with him. And then he leaves after that year. And David Bailiff um, comes over and replaces him as head coach at Rice. And on that staff was Yancey McKnight, uh, who's the current strength and conditioning coach at Texas. Uh, Tom Herman, who's the current head coach. He was the OC. Um, Craig Niver, who was on the Texas staff with me, who's now the safeties coach at USC and Jason Washington was the corners coach and he's now corners uh, safeties coach at Mississippi State anyhow spent one year there and then I left and took my first full-time coaching job at the University of Arkansas at Monticello so I was the line coach the tight ends coach and the strength and conditioning coach and also taught like one or two classes a semester I forget <laughs> we spent two years there uh, 2008 and 2009 as bull weevils, they say down there, there ain't, ain't nothing more evil than a damn bull weevil. Um, and then we left Arkansas Monticello and went to Sam Houston State, was there with Willie Fritz, uh, 2010 and 2011 as the line coach. And then I left there and came to the University of New Mexico with a guy named Bob DeMet, Bob DeBess, who had been the offensive coordinator for us at Sam. We came to New Mexico, and I was here for three years with him, 12, 13, and 14. And then Coach Herman got the head coaching job at the University of Houston, called and asked if I'd be interested in coming to the line coach at U of H. Um, so we left here um, and went to U of H, spent two years there, 15 and 16. And then he got the head coaching job at Texas. So we were at Texas 17, 18, and 19, and then – Oh, just a couple of days, honestly, before the Alamo Bowl against Utah, um, later December, I got a phone call from Danny Gonzalez, our current head coach here at New Mexico, and asked 
he asked if I'd be interested in coming out here to be the offensive coordinator. I told him I would. Um, so I came out here just a couple of days after the, the Alamo Bowl game and visited with him and, um, and ended up taking this job. And, and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. Is that something that you've you've always looked, or at least as you were an offensive line coach, even even in your younger, uh, even younger days, uh, is that something you always eventually wanted to make a leap up um, from offensive line coach, or is it something that you just kind of you know, fell in? I don't want to say fell into, like you you know, luckily fell into something, or is that just something that kind of came up as you were coaching offensive line? Um, it's kind of hard to answer. I. For the longest time, whenever I was younger, you know, in my mind, I really only wanted to be an offensive line coach. And whenever I became a tight end coach and got out of the offensive line room for the first time, um, you know, I kind of got in the back of my mind like, hey, man, I think I could, you know, probably, you know, be an offensive coordinator and, and – you know how it works, you know, and again, going back, I mean, there was a long time where I was for my entire career in my mind, I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just, I'll go be a line coach and, and work my way up and, and, and live in that world. And it's a great world to live in. Um, but as I, you know, a couple, three years ago, um, decided that I, you know, at, at some point in my career, I'd love to have the opportunity to be a head football coach and um, the way it works in high school ball, college ball, um, NFL, you know, the whole deal, you know, you need some either offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator experience for the most part, not all the time, but for the most part, um, you know, so I, I kind of started getting my mind prepared for an opportunity like this. And whenever it came about, especially working for Coach Gonzalez, he's a phenomenal person, a family guy. Um, I believe in everything that he believes in. I mean, 2AT. Um, so it was kind of a natural fit. And we had spent time out here in Albuquerque before, and my wife Kelly and, and I and my family really enjoyed it. Um, so it was it was honestly kind of a no-brainer for us to be able to come back out here and do this. Coach, you talk about, you know, Albuquerque, and I've been lucky enough to go down there a, a couple of times and actually met with, with Coach DeBess. But uh, you know, what an awesome place. You know, I don't, you, don't, you don't hear enough about it. I don't think, you know, the, the city of Albuquerque, the, the school there, um, what are you guys trying to kind of trying to, you know, build your program around? I know Coach Gonzalez coming back. There's a lot of juice. There's a lot of energy surrounding the program. You know, what, what are you guys kind of hanging your hat on and, and hoping to get going and, and build up there in Albuquerque? Well, first and foremost, I mean, Coach Gonzalez, he is from Albuquerque, New Mexico, went to high school here, played ball here at UNM, and then has coached on the staff under Rocky Long. Uh, before they left and ended up going to San Diego State. So for him, this is a coming home, um, you know, dream job for him to, to have the opportunity to be the head football coach in his hometown. Um, and he has done a phenomenal job of reconnecting the community um, to this university and his football program. And he's he's already done a, a phenomenal job of just simply being the face of this organization and and being out there and, and, and being aggressive in recruiting and, and all those types of things. But, um, you know, this program is – any time that this program has been successful and, and what it will be again very soon is it's been built on toughness. Um, it's been built on discipline. You know, it's been built on 
taking care of the football on the offensive side. It's been built on taking the ball away on the defensive side. It's been built on being somewhat unique uh, on both sides of the football and being aggressive in the kicking game. Um, but when it's all said and done, uh, it's, 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 it's the way in which our kids are going to play uh, the game itself out there in the stadiums that we're going to play in that's going to set us apart and really be the, the cornerstone of what this program is about um, from, a, from a strain and effort standpoint and from a physicality standpoint. Um, and, you know, we got through eight, eight spring ball practices before we, you know, we got, you know, the stop sign put, put, put in front of us. And, um, you know, that's what we coached. You know, yeah, we're coaching scheme. Yes, we're coaching technique and fundamentals. But the culture of the style of play is what was coached above and beyond anything else in those eight practices. And that was from walkthrough to stretch to the first period after stretch. I mean, it was the fastest practices our players have ever been associated with. And I'm not just talking about time on the field. I'm talking about the way in which everybody moved from drill to drill, from area to area. And the, ball, the ball's down, it's snapped, um, and we're ready to rock and roll. And it was extremely physical, um, a ton of enthusiasm. And the guys are out there having a ton of fun playing and competing their tails off against each other. So, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to get our guys to play very, very hard um, for a long period of time and, and go out there and play physical football and, and not do things to, to hurt our organization. Um, and put ourselves in a position to be successful. Yeah, you guys kind of, and lucky is not the word, but you got fortunate that you guys had that early, um, you know, early camp. So you got to get it in at least, you know, several practices as opposed to some schools that, you know, got one or none. Um, so as an offensive line coach, obviously there's, um, you get the offensive line type personality. And, and so, you know, I'm, you still love all the kids and everything, and, and but you can act – I don't want to say act a certain way, but, uh, you know, they've got a different personality probably than an entire offense has. Have you noticed that you've had to change any bit about your coaching style or personality as, as you now coach the entire offense? I think the – yes and no, okay? So – the one position that's got to be coached differently than all the others, in my opinion, is the quarterback position. Um, you know, I'm not saying that you got to baby those kids because I don't, I mean, you don't baby anybody in football, but at the same time, um, you know, the, you coach those kids to go make full speed decisions and believe in what they're doing. And whenever they do make a mistake, you coach them through the mistake and how to correct it and never make that same mistake again, right? That's what we're, that's what we're all doing. Um, the way <clears throat> the demeanor that you coach offensive linemen with, I think is very similar to the demeanor that you coach all the other positions with. And quarterbacks, um, and, you know, they've got to be held to a, a very high standard of toughness, of being vocal, of leading, of owning those mistakes that they do make, because um, that position is the most critical position in the entire organization. Uh, that guy touches the ball every snap and is making critical, 
decisions in particular in today's offenses where it's do I hand it? Do I keep it? Do I hand it? Do I throw it? Is it a behind the line of scrimmage RPO? Is it a downfield RPO? Um, checking plays to keep offenses in good plays, flipping protections, throwing hots. Those guys have a lot of responsibility. Uh, but at the same time, it's important for the, all the other kids on the offensive side of the ball to see how high that standard is that you hold those quarterbacks to, you know, each and every day. Uh, but, yeah, you do coach offensive line. You're going to coach the right guard differently than you coach uh, the quarterback, right? But right. the H receiver, the Z receiver, the X receiver, the tight end, um, the running backs, right? Those guys get coached the same, in my opinion, as the offensive linemen. And I, I think, you know, one of the funner parts of coaching um, is motivating and getting kids to speak the same language. And in eight practices here, from practice number one to practice number eight, not even close, not even close, from the way the huddle looked on the sideline to the way we took the field, to the way the quarterback's calling the play in the huddle, to the way the cadence sounds, the way the offensive line's communicating, all of those things from practice one to practice eight have come a long way as well as the effort, as well as the, the physicality and the energy that, that we're practicing with. Um, but it's got to be coached every single day, and it's got to be coached with everything that you got. Um, and that's what we were striving or continuing to strive to do uh, here at UNM is, is, is to give these guys everything that we got and to show them exactly the way things are supposed to sound, feel, um, and what a real practice is supposed to look like um, whenever you get out there and you rock and roll. Was it something that you noticed at all? Is, was it hard to let go of coaching the offensive line every play? I mean, as a, you know, you've got an offensive line coach. I'm sure he's a, an unbelievable offensive line coach. Um, but you're an offensive line coach, and, and you see things that go wrong that maybe other offensive coordinators wouldn't see. Um, and, and you want to get those guys coached up, but you also trust that your offensive line coach is doing it, so you don't necessarily want to always be stepping on their toes, but a lot of times it's hard not to say what you see. Um, it, did you have any tr – not troubles, but has it been a process of, of leaving that group and, and seeing everything as a whole, or has that been easy for you? It's been easy. Um, Jason Lindsmeyer is our offensive line coach, and uh, he was actually here with – well, we worked here together whenever um, I was here at New Mexico before. He's a phenomenal football coach. Um, technique, fundamentals, toughness, effort, strain, all of it, you know, it's, it's, that's in his DNA. Um, and, and the great thing about our offensive staff is anybody can coach anybody's guys, right? Nobody's going to get their feelings hurt because uh, I'm certainly not if, you know, if the wide receivers coaches – is getting on a tight end of mine about his ball security or his strain. I encourage that. Um, <clears throat> anything that needs to be coached from my perspective, I'm certainly going to coach it. Same with the quarterback's coach or, or Jason Lindsmeyer with the offensive line, coaching the tight end on, on run game or pass protection technique and fundamentals. I think that's critical <clears throat> that everybody feels comfortable coaching everybody on the offensive side of the ball. And I think it's critical that, you know, everybody as a coach, you know, 
leaves their their ego off the practice field. You know, we're all in this thing together. We're all trying to accomplish the exact same thing. So it's critical that we all take ownership. And we, right, I mean, you coach the offensive line. You don't see everything that happens every play. It's not possible. You have two eyes, right? And you got five guys to coach. And there's a lot of things that go on in the offensive line. So there are things that you're going to miss, right? And David Alexander's on the staff. He's got offensive line background. He's got a lot of pride in that position. And, you know, if he sees something that you don't see, it's, you know, it's his responsibility as the head football coach and a guy that's got offensive line background to step in and, and make a correction or encourage or pat a guy on the butt and say, man, that was a hell of a deuce or whatever we're doing. Um, but, yeah, do I, do I see things that um, I know that maybe a, a, an offensive coordinator whose background is a you know, running back, receiver, quarterback? Yes, probably so. Um, but, again, I'm, I'm, anything that we're doing and from a coaching standpoint is to make our organization better and it's never ego-driven um, to show any other coach on our staff or show the kids that I know more than this guy. No, no, it's never like that at all. Uh, we're all on the same page, and we're all coaching everything 100 miles an hour uh, to get our guys to, the, to a position where they can be as good as they can be. Coach, knowing you're going into, you know, New Mexico and, and the old staff was, was, you know, heavy, heavy zone option, triple team. How's the transition kind of been to, you know, maybe you know, what more of your philosophy it's going to be? Is that going to be some kind of, you know, deal where it has to be kind of done in stages? Or is that something you're like, you know what, man, we're going to play to our guys' strengths. We feel our offense is pretty, you know, pretty balanced, pretty, you know, pretty normal. We can do what we can do, and, and we're going to be able to move the football that way. Or is it something where it's like, yeah, we've had to bring in maybe a, a different kind of kid or, or flip the roster a little bit simply because maybe they have, you know, more running backs and receivers or something like that or had to move a few guys around. Can you talk a little bit about that transition? Yeah, it's really been pretty smooth, to be honest with you. Um, these guys have gone through a couple of different offensive scheme, terminology, style changes uh, over the past few, few years because, you know, I was here with Bob, and when we came in here, you know, we installed the gun triple stuff. Um, and really committed ourselves to it and this program to it and had a lot of success running the football and running that style of offense. And, and then Calvin McGee came in um, and kind of implemented some of the spread, you know, two by two, four wide, three by one, four wide stuff and zone read, Q runs, RPOs, you know, quick game, uh, stuff like that. And then um, another coordinator in here a year ago that was, Kind of a mix of all of it, uh, to be honest with you. So these guys have gone through some change. So like them learning the terminology, them learning the language, it hasn't been that great because a lot of these guys haven't been just stuck in the same offensive system for three, two, three, you know, some of them four years if they were redshirted guys. Um, so they're, you know, it's easier for them to process the information because um, they didn't have anything that was just memorized and beat into their head. But we have, a, you know, we have a good mix of talent here um, to where you can kind of be uh, what you want to be. You know, we have a good mix of receivers. We have um, some quarterbacks that are, that are really good at operating uh, and have a good understanding of what's going on. Like they know how to protect themselves in the drop back pass game or throw hot, you know, if they're unprotected. 
uh, flipping protections, um, checking the run game, understanding downfield pass game concepts. The RPO game is pretty natural to them. And then they can both run, um, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, that's all critical at that position. Um, but no, it, it hasn't been, you know, as much of an overhaul, um, you know, as maybe one would think it's, it's, it's been pretty smooth and, and, and our guys have done a good job of, uh, of, of really investing in what we're doing um, and, and to where they can go out there on the on practice field and execute at a high level and play fast and not be out there tiptoeing around because they don't know what to do. And that's, that's credit to, to our guys and their commitment to what we're teaching them. And it's credit, credit to our assistant coaches on the offensive side of the ball of, of really being great teachers in the classroom and on the practice field um, to where we're out there executing at a pretty high level for, for a new system. But, uh, but no, I think it's, it's been pretty smooth and, and the multiplicity of what the guys have done have made it easier for us to be multiple uh, even in spring one. But yes, it has been slower you know, because we've, we've, we've chosen to slow down, implement, you know, the base run schemes, the base pass protections, um, the base, you know, RPOs, our base drop back pass game. And we haven't really manipulated formations. We haven't even gotten into motions. We haven't gotten into formation into the sideline. We haven't gotten into unbalanced. We really haven't messed with a whole lot of tempo stuff either. Um, because we just wanted to overemphasize everybody knowing exactly what they're supposed to do, understand the way that we have to communicate and the, the order of operations, if you will, from end of play uh, to the beginning of the next play. And we were able to, to get all those things taught, and we got through, you know, 90%, close to 95% of the base, you know, first and second down and third down pass game and even some red zone stuff. Um, we got plenty of offense in to be able to go play a season right now, to be honest with you. But now, you know, that they understand what's going on and the quarterbacks know where everybody is on every play. Now we can start to mess with what the presentation looks like, which was what our plan was for what would have been this week to start fooling around with some motions and some, and some split adjustments and things like that. Um, but I, I really like the way that we chose to install the offense. Coach, it, it's probably not as as um, doesn't work as as well with this question with with an offensive coordinator coming into a, a place where they've had a lot of different coordinators. But when you were going into like Houston, you went into these guys and and they had you were their fifth offensive line coach in five years, and so they they'd gone through a you know however many five different guys lingos and calls. Um, obviously, as a coordinator, you've got to, the plays are what they are what you need to call them. Um, you don't want to change those up. But as a position coach, if you go in somewhere, what was your thought process on um, changing lingos up, changing what double teams are called? Um, were you a guy that, that you've got a good grasp on what you want to call it? And, and so, hey, let's, let's spend some extra time learning this. Or um, did you kind of go with what everyone else was comfortable uh, with or, or kind of what the group knew um, going into that job? Uh, I would say earlier on in my coaching career, I was very set on what we were going to call things, mainly because that's what I knew. Um, as I've gotten older, that stuff is not nearly as big of a deal from my perspective. You know, I mean, if you, 
if you want to, if we're ABC on the backside of inside zone, or if we want to slip, swap, scoop, you know, what difference does it make? You know, we just, we need a word that the kids know um, that they're working together and what, what second level defender they're working to. So that, that part of it for me um, is, is really not that big of a deal. The, the most important thing is the, the players and them understanding it because if they don't understand it, then we're going to be out there and it's going to be a vocabulary test every single day of practice. And we're not going to get better at playing physical. We're not going to get better um, from a technique and fundamental standpoint. Um, so it's got to be simple. It's got to make sense. And if what has gone on at a particular place in the past makes sense to the players, they understand it, and it makes sense within the offensive scheme that is being executed, then I don't have any issue with, with keeping that. You've got 15 or 20 kids in the room that already know a certain way of, of communicating, and you've got one football coach um, that gets paid to do this that can have the ability to spend, you know, a week of studying terminology and then, and then have that memorized. And then after that, oh, you start forgetting what you used to call stuff, right? Um, so that part of it is not a big deal for me. But if it's a situation where you walk in there and the, the language itself and the terminology doesn't make sense, right, for what you're doing schematically, then I think that, you know, there are grounds to change some things. But um, I, don't, I don't believe it's necessary just to go in and overhaul change terminology for, for no reason. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, speaking still, you were at Houston, so obviously it was the year after I was there. So I, I'm texting guys, and, and they're saying, you know, how much they like this new offensive line coach. And so I start stealing. You probably didn't know, but I text those guys, start stealing a, a couple of, of things you guys are doing. Um, for, for the high school. And then uh, you go over to Texas in a few years, and, and me and Coach Alexander got yeah. to go down there and, and, and see some things. And, and the most impressed I was uh, was going into, uh, you know, one of your meetings. Uh, and, and I tell the story a lot, but, um, you know, your meeting was, was unbelievable. We had just come back, me and Walls, from visiting another uh, an SEC school and went into their offensive line meeting room, and it was abysmal, in my opinion. I mean, guys had their feet up on 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 the desks, and and you can have your meeting, whatever. But it just it didn't show out on the field that they knew what they were doing. They weren't playing very hard. Um, and we went into their meetings, and and it, I don't know, maybe I read too much into it, but I could tell. Or I thought that was a big reason why. Um, and then I got to go to to Texas and watch your meeting with the offensive line, and and it was um, it was right up my alley. I thought it was awesome, and everyone was paying attention, and it was fun at times or before and joking and then when it's time for business it was time for business so is that something that you've sat down and thought about this is how I want my meetings these these are the rules or this is what I want done in my meetings or is that just a personality trait that has kind of always been the way that you've done that some of it is 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 a personality trait and that's always been the way that I've done it other you know there's another part of this um, so a lot of this, um, you know, comes from, from coach Herman, which comes from, uh, urban Meyer, which comes from Bob Davey, which comes from Lou Holtz. Right. So, um, you know, in, in, in urban Meyer's whole deal, and then coach Herman learned this from him whenever he was at Ohio state was, 
Um, you know, teachers in the classroom do not sit in the back of the room with the lights off and talk to the back of their students' heads. They're in the front of the classroom and those meetings are led the right way and are very uh, interactive. And um, so he, you know, there was, I was already doing some of that stuff, but he really implemented and mandated that we, we do things a certain way in the meeting room. And, and I believe in it. I do. And I, it's almost anymore. It's almost impossible for me to even sit down uh, in a position meeting room. It really is just because you're so used to being up at the front, you're walking around, um, you're looking at your players, you know, in the eye, you're asking them direct questions. They're giving you direct responses. And, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging for the players that, that that's the whole deal. What, what we all want to be able to do is we want the meeting room to, you know, to be a sanctuary for each position group, but at the same time, um, you don't want it to be a place of comfort, right? You want it to be, um, you know, a place of, of, of competitiveness, a place of um, proving that you know what you're doing to your coach and to the guys that you're going to go play with that day and that week and that season, um, and proving that you are a dependable teammate and that you are prepared for the task at hand every single day. And it's, and it's our job as coaches, um, not just to teach them, but to challenge them. And the only way that you can trust your players to go speak the language that you're teaching them is if you make them speak that same language in the meeting room in a controlled setting, right? If they can't speak your language and our language in a meeting room in a controlled setting, they're not going to be able to do it in front of 20, 30, 40, 50, 100,000 people. Um, so it's, you know, and, and there's a whole other element to it, right? We, 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 we coach talk like a dude. Um, so whenever you are asked a direct question, um, you, you answer that in the right tone. And if you don't know the answer, then you say, I don't know in the right tone. Um, but if you do know the answer and you say it like a dude, then you are proving to your teammates uh, that you can be trusted and you're earning trust minute by minute, um, you know, from the guys that are sitting in that meeting room next to you. And then the biggest thing is that the information that gets discussed in that meeting room has got to translate it into practice uh, onto the practice field, or we just wasted an hour of everybody's time. Right. So, and there are times where you got to be creative in there as well. Uh, from watching videos, you got to make it fun. You got to make them laugh. Um, I know for us, for the first five to 10 minutes of every meeting, um, we do not talk about football. You know, we talk about life. We talk, I talk about my kids and my wife a lot. We talk about what's going on in the world. Um, we call it daily news. Um, and the new guy is responsible for delivering some form of daily news. It could be how they did on an exam. It could be what's going on back home. It could be somebody just dropped a new album, you know, whatever it is to get guys talking about something else other than football, um, you know, and then, and then after we get done with that, I expect them to have, you know, a handful of questions about either the previous day's installation, the previous day's practice, um, or something that has happened. And they open up their notebooks and they start rattling off questions. And, 
and we get down to the bottom of that stuff before we get into any presentation type stuff. Um, but there's a way that that meeting room is supposed to be run. And there's got to be time for fun. There's got to be time for laughter. There's got to be time for uh, giving each other a hard time. Um, Cause that's, you know, that's a big part of the game that we play as well and spending time with, with the guys that we're playing with. But at the same time, when we we're in there to work, um, so we're feet flat on the floor. We're sitting up on the edge of our chair. Our eyes are up. Um, and when we're, we're mentally locked in uh, to that meeting, and then, again, we got to translate it from the, from the meeting room to the walkthrough, the walkthrough to practice, and then eventually from the practice field to game field. Um, so those meetings have got to be very serious and very well planned out. Love all that, Coach. I just taken that note down. That's something I need to, to get better at, having the kids having questions. That's awesome. Um, I was going to ask you then about, you know, being a coordinator now, how do you guys kind of go? I'm, I'm guessing you probably go, you know, the, the full team meeting where Coach Gonzalez, you know, is going to talk about something. Maybe it's special teams or theme of the day, whatever it might be. Then you probably break up offense, defense. How do you kind of handle that, you know, as the, the, the coordinator? Do you do a short, brief meeting? Do you maybe then leave, you know, the, the skill guys all together? How do you do some of those other larger group meetings? Because I think those are, are also super effective outside of just your, your position group meetings. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, so what we do is once we break from the team meeting, um, we get together as an offense, and there are notes, um, you know, of, of things from the previous practice, you know, because we're getting in here, it's a, it's a new organization, so you're, you're coaching everything, you know, you're, you're coaching that, you know, you, you've got your mouthpiece in for every practice rep or live rep that you're going to take, you know, there's no helmets on the ground or hustling from drill to drill. I mean, you're coaching anything and everything, enthusiasm on the sidelines, you know, our ball security, unique things that we do. I mean, there's, there's everything that you're coaching. So there'd be notes that we go through as an entire offense, just to remind the guys uh, of things that, that we're, we're wanting them to do. And then, you know, we would put on um, a, a tape of, you know, three to five good plays. And they weren't necessarily like well-executed football plays. More times than not, um, it was phenomenal ball security, uh, phenomenal strain, or phenomenal physicality, right? It was those three things that we were really striving to coach this spring. So whenever we did have a great example of, you know, an offensive lineman straining or, or you know, there, there's one rep where we're running inside zone and, and the three technique is trying to slant across the left guard's face and the center comes over and whacks him through his near shoulder and knocks him back into the B gap, puts him on the ground and snaps off on the play side linebacker on inside zone. You know, physicality when it comes to the, the way we want to play the game or a, a straining effort, you know, by a receiver or somebody with the football or a quarterback carrying out his fake um, with unbelievable effort, right? Really pointing out those things and then showing, you know, how those, those efforts affect the football play, right? To where everybody sees it and everybody hears the exact same thing. Then on the flip side, we would show bad, you know, three to five bad plays, you know, of, of poor effort, poor ball security technique and fundamentals. That doesn't just mean that the ball was on the ground, but just, you're putting the ball at risk because you're carrying it this way. And that's not what we're doing here. Um, or, you know, guys turning it down, you know, in a situation where you really want them to cut it loose and be physical. 
Um, so we spent a lot of time coaching those things and then educating them on, you know, the expectation of the day, you know, whatever that was, whatever we wanted to see more of or, or something specific that we were working in that practice. Um, third downs or situational football or backed up, you know, the ball's inside the 10-yard line. This is our goal whenever we take the field. So they all know and understand exactly what those, um, those objectives are while we're out there. We're not just running plays. Uh, and then from there, because we were in such a heavy installation period, we would just break up individually by position. Ha after the break, because, again, it wasn't as much new installation, we were going to spend a lot more time together, um, O-line, running backs, tight ends, watching, you know, our run game video from practice, um, you know, and quarterbacks and wide receivers and tight ends mixing in as well, um, the seven-on-seven seven tape and some of the team pass tape, um, the quarterbacks, the running backs, and the offensive line uh, being together and watching, you know, different things that come up in pass protection just so they're all on the same page. I'm a firm believer in, in doing these things as groups. I love walkthroughs. I love being able to teach on the field so everybody can hear the exact same thing and you don't have three different position groups. Even though the coach is saying the exact same words, it just comes across differently or processes in the learner's mind differently. So I love being able to do those things together as much as possible. Um, and then, you know, you, you'd gain some excitement. You know, you, you'd see a kid puff his chest out a little bit more because he was on the good tape. Um, or, you, you know, you'd have a, a guy that is, you know, proven to be a pretty good player around this place that, isn't straining as hard as he should be to, to finish plays. And it's an eye-opening thing for him because not that you're out there just, you know, just trying to pick on guys. You're trying to get everybody to understand that this is the expectation um, of the way we're going to play ball every day. And it's an imperative that we all see and understand the exact same thing. And then that's where you see the growth, in my opinion, is from that group stuff. You see the growth and guys start coaching each other when it comes, you hear them start saying strain. You hear them start saying things about being physical. You hear them start, you know, we say chin instead of high and tight when it comes to ball security. So you hear guys whenever a ball carrier has the ball, there's an offensive lineman that's a two standing on the sidelines when the one's up, and he's screaming at the guy, chin, 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 you know. Whenever you hear those things and you see them in action, that's when you know the guys are really paying attention to what's going on. Coach, kind of flipping gears just a little bit. Um, obviously, like you said, uh, your dad, Coach Wareheim, uh, is kind of known, obviously, in the state, um, has been a high school football coach for a long time. Um, and, and like you said, was your football coach. Um, with, with you, you know, uh, having little ones, it, is that something that you, would, that you would like to do? Would you like to be able to coach uh, it, your kids coming up through football. Um, I think there's a lot of high school coaches out there, and, and maybe it's not as applicable for a college coach, but especially for a high school coach, I think everyone's kind of that, you know, I don't know, do, do you want to coach your kid? Do you not want to coach your kid? Um, it, have, have you had any thoughts on that and, and what that might look like for you? I have had plenty of thoughts on this, and, and I am one that, I want to coach my kids. I do, uh, especially when it comes to attitude and effort. You know, my, my, my girls are, are heavily involved in softball. My oldest daughter, Kaysen, 
has a desire to pitch. It's hard to be a pitcher, whether it's in baseball or softball, and it, and it takes a lot of time invested, and it's not easy. Um, but like I've, I've you know discussed with her, you know, you're, you're the one that said that you wanted to do this, and if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, we're gonna put forth the time, effort, energy to be as good at this as we can possibly be. Um, and I love coaching her. I do. And, and I'm fortunate. My, my wife was a softball player at Tulsa. She, she knows more about softball than me. Um, but we work at it, you know, and, and um, it's not always comfortable, you know, but I, I really enjoy the coaching aspect uh, with her. Same thing with my nine-year-old daughter, Kylie. I really enjoy coaching her. Uh, through softball and, and basketball and volleyball and all these things. And then my son, uh, Miller, you know, he, he basketball and baseball and, and football. And, and the likelihood of me coaching him in football is probably very low. Um, but I'm going to give him everything that I got while they're here with us. And I feel like it's, it's our responsibility to do so. Um, one, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a coach you know, as you know, for my profession. And my wife has experience as a collegiate and, and high level athlete uh, in the softball world. So we have that luxury. And I, I believe it's our responsibility to, to coach our children um, and to, to give them everything that we have um, academically, socially, spiritually, um, and, and show them what a household is supposed to look like. And, and Whenever it gets into athletics, you know, coaching with everything that we got. I mean, I taught my kids how to ride their bike, um, taught my kids how to ride motorcycles like my dad taught me, and I've taught them how to play ball. And, um, again, I feel like that's my responsibility, and, and I enjoy the heck out of it, you know. And, and I'm not the guy that uh, is going to go to the ball games and, you know, and holler at the coach or anything like that from the sidelines. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not the coach of the baseball team or of the softball team. But uh, if, if there's anything that's going on negatively with my children from an attitude or effort standpoint, um, then I'll certainly chime in from the sidelines. But outside of that, um, we're going to coach them with everything that we got and we're going to encourage them with everything that we got and help them be as good as they can possibly be. I love that. That's, um, that seems like the, the best way to go about it. Cause like you said, you're a coach, you want to be a coach, but then also you want them to be coached by other people uh, and be able to listen to their coach and not their, you know, parent on the side. But, but uh, I, I'm, I'm completely with you. If you can, that attitude and effort, if you can, you can coach that, then uh, you kind of let them at a younger age, at least for, for mine, I don't know anything about baseball. I let him listen to whatever the baseball coach says. And as long as he's, you know, our, our three rules are, are no crying, listen to your coach and work as hard as you can. And that's the only Love three it. things I look for and, and let him, uh, let him do whatever else he wants to do or whatever the baseball coach tells him to do. Love it. So, so here's my question, me and coach walls, uh, you know, uh, my dad is, is a football coach, obviously coach walls was, and, and his brother's a football coach. Um, and, and so when I go and see my dad, obviously don't see him a ton, but we're both football coaches. But when I do see him, it, it almost always comes back to almost all we talk about is, is the kids for a little bit. And then we're talking football. Um, you're kind of in that, you're in that same boat with, um, you know, your brother and, and your dad, all football coaches. It, when you guys get together, uh, does it take very long before you guys are, are talking football or, or is that the time that you try to try to get away from it? 
No, I mean, it's, it's, it's like inevitable, right? Same thing <laughs> with you guys. Um, you know, even though you sit down and you shoot the bull and, you know, you kind of can, we, we, we talk, I mean, you know, typically a few times a week, whether it be through text message or phone call or, or what have you, uh, about different things. And, um, yes, it, you know, it typically, it gets back to football. I mean, I could be, you know, sitting around, uh, on an off weekend or something and somebody's playing, you know, a replay game on ESPN or ESPNU or something. And my dad will text Jake and myself that, you know, such and such is on, or I was talking to my dad earlier today and uh, he had spent some time watching uh, Minnesota on video. And he was talking about how great of a job they do running the wide zone and the tight zone and they're really committed to it uh, and things like that. So, I mean, um yeah i mean within a matter of minutes you know it it, it, it gets back to what about this or, or what do you what are you guys doing with with stances you know in this situation um or you know hey what about this you know this run that i heard somebody clinic on or i mean it always gets back to it really quick and and it's one of those things right because you know we all love the game you look up and, you know, and, and three hours have gone by, you know, and it feels like you've been talking for five minutes, you know, about different things. So uh, we all love it. We all enjoy it. We all love the, we all love the scheme part of it. We all love the motivation part of it. Um, you know, and, and the, the great thing about football, you know, is, is you can take lesser athletes, you can take lesser players, um, and you can teach them uh, the assignment. You can teach them uh, the technique and fundamental, and you can get them to play with phenomenal strain and purpose. And you can allow those kids um, to be and help them to be in a position to be successful. And and at times, you know, win a one-on-one -on -one matchup um, against a guy that they probably shouldn't, but you've given them the tools necessary to do so and you've motivated them uh, to get that done. And, and I think we can all agree that whenever that moment comes about for those, as, as, as fun as the great ones are to coach, those guys are awesome to coach and be around, right? But it's the ones that you come across that are talented enough to play for you, but they're not the greatest football players on the face of the earth. Um, when you get those guys to go out there and do things the right way, and they do it with the right purpose, and they go out there and have a whole lot of success, um, those are the ones that you feel the best about. Coach, man, you, you left out uh, one piece on the bio, and I was hoping you'd, you'd have at least a story for us, but the, the, the Tulsa Talons, man. Yes. I got, I I got mean, to hear. I, I left out the Tulsa. So I played for David Alexander. Yeah. So I wanted, uh, to, hear, I wanted to hear your side of the story because he always talked about you saying, you know, probably the toughest dude that he, that he ever coached. So I compliments for you, man. I don't know about <laughs> that at all, but, um, oh man, it was, it was, to be honest with you, it was fun. I mean, cause I hadn't played on the defensive side of the ball, you know, since I was a senior in high school. Right. And then, you know, you get in there and you play in the, in this indoor league, Right. It's all it's it's very simple schematically. There's some really good players that we played against and had on our team. Um, but you get out there and it's just different. Right. It's eight man football. 
you know, you're playing in a small field, you know, some unique circumstances at some places that we went to on the road and stuff like that. But um, you get out there and you, you know, you play a whole quarter. So you end up playing a half, right? So you never come out of the game. So you're on offense, you're on defense, you're on the field goal team, you're on the field goal block team, you're on the kickoff team, you're on the kickoff return team, right? So I'll never forget, they put like the linemen on the outside, right next to like the hockey wall on the kickoff team, right? And you were like the funnel guys, like the safeties. And uh, anyways, I remember covering down the field. And I, the, I think the last time I was on the kickoff team was like when I was in junior high, okay? <laughs> So I'm like, I'm geeked up, you know, I'm like, oh man, I get to run down on kickoff. This is awesome. And we go running down there on the kickoff team and you feel like you're running like hundred miles an hour. Right. And I'm 305 pounds. Like I know what it looks like, but it feels really fast. And uh, anyways, um, one of our guys um, that was like one of our missiles running down the middle takes a shot at the guy and tries to make the tackle, but misses and makes the guy like go sideways. And then I start funneling in back to the middle. It's like the second level fit guy. And I end up making the tackle on the kickoff team, like inside the 10 yard line. And I was like, this is the greatest moment of my life. Like I just made a tackle on kickoff as a 305 pound offensive lineman. <laughs> that hasn't run down on a kickoff team since I was like 12 years old and I weighed 150 pounds. Right. Um, so it was phenomenal, but it was, it was a great game. It was a, it was a really good experience. Um, getting to, getting to play for, for coach Alexander was, was an awesome time. I mean, he was, he was great, did a phenomenal job as the head coach and, and ran practices the right way and really took care of us. So it was a really, it was a really cool and fun experience. Always fun when a big guy makes a tackle. It just sucks. Normally when you're on, on the offensive line, it's, it's when they throw an interception. And so you, yes. don't get to really, you don't get to really enjoy it in film like I think that you'd like to be able to because it was an interception. I always argued I should get a plus two if I made a tackle, but all the offensive line coaches were just pissed that we threw an interception. So I, think yeah. I never won that argument. No, you should have, though, at least once. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Coach, uh, we're kind of rolling up on an hour now. Um, and, and don't want to take up too much of your time, but, but the last question I always love to ask guys is uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Ooh, um, well, one is, is the way they come off the ball in unison, um, you know, and, and regardless of what cadence you're using, a lot of these college programs and, and high school programs are using this clap cadence. and um, but to see guys, you know, truly come off the football uh, in unison, not popcorning around, um, whether it be in the throw game or the run game, I think is is always impressive. Um, you love to see any offensive line, um, you know, have legitimate pad level. You love to see them in the run game playing on the defensive side of the ball uh, as opposed to being on their side of the ball. Um, and then you just you love to see guys just straining, you know, just straining and looking for work. And, um, you know, if they're downfield, just looking to headhunt and, um, you know, and, 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 and really work their tails off to get to the football um, or guys that are, you know, uncovered in pass protection, you know, that don't just stand there and hold space. 
you know, for three or four seconds and they start looking around to go saw somebody's ribs and, and put guys on the ground. Um, you just, you love seeing that. You love seeing a, a high effort um, group that comes off the ball together uh, and really strains through the echo of the whistle. And, and um, because we all know, you know, for, for as critical um, as a quarterback or, or, or any other skill position player is on the offensive side of the ball, um, any offense goes as the offensive line goes. And if you, you've got an offensive line that does things together, um, comes off the ball together, uh, communicates at a high level, and strains to finish every single snap, um, you always got a chance to be successful. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, it's, it's not the, you know, the 30, 40, 50, 60 yard runs, um, you know, to where uh, somebody misfits you know, the run scheme or what have you on the defensive side of the ball and they're in the wrong gap or whatever. Uh, oftentimes, in my opinion, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the two or three yard or four yard runs um, where you do see just an absolutely beautiful deuce block in the right, you know, the guard and the tackle are, are hip to hip, shoulder to shoulder, flat back, moving the three technique out of there. They move him back so far, they don't even have to snap off on the second level defender. Um, you know, and oftentimes you end up making more yards than three or four. But regardless, you, you, you see a double team like that, you appreciate it because you know how much time it took to rep and coach that, right? Because those things are hard to do, um, you know, or any other double team that exists in the run game. That, that, that stuff takes so much time to get good at um, that you appreciate it whenever you see it, whether it be from your own guys or somebody else's guys, um, because it is so hard to get accomplished. Um, but it is fun to see, a, you know, five guys rip snorting off the line of scrimmage at the same time and, and playing with some pad level and some physicality and some strain. Um, you know, that's a, that's a fun part of the game to watch. Coach, man, it's been a blast. I know you got two, uh, two huge fans here on the, the podcast and uh, anything we can do to, to help you guys out and, and get it rolling again down in, in Albuquerque, man, we're, uh, we're excited. So you need, need anything from us recruiting wise or, or whatever we're, uh, we're ready to rock and roll. I'm excited for you guys. It's going to be fun. I appreciate you guys having me on here. I've been wanting to do it for a while. Fortunate to have the time right now to be able to do it, and I respect the heck out of what you guys do. I think the product that you guys put out there is phenomenal, um, and I'm excited that, that, that uh, the brand of, of what you guys are doing is continuing to grow, um, and it's only going to continue to get bigger and bigger. So I applaud you guys for doing what you're doing and be, being as committed to, to this mission as you are. And I encourage you to continue to do so because you're making a difference uh, in the football world for sure. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.